So we yield to you and do your word. Come and speak this morning in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Um, we have a, like a few family announcement stuff that we'll do at the end. It's like a few minutes. Um, uh, we just, uh, while we were worshiping, we really felt there's just this sense of um, the Lord having our hearts. And as we almost have our hearts in worship, He wants to address and He wants to speak into them. And to be honest, I've, um, over the last little while, I've been predominantly preaching about the good works that Jesus has done and how um, the fact that we're saved by these incredible things that he did for us and these incredible acts that Jesus did and the fact that you are not saved by what you do, but you are saved because of what he has done. And so that I have loved. Because you can never talk enough about the things that Jesus has done. But this morning I want to do a little bit of an emphasis shift. And the Bible does this shift. So it's not contrary to what I've been preaching. It is in accordance with. Okay. So disclaimer. I just wanted to say that. Um, and then I'm starting my timer. And we are doing this, which I'm amped about. Um, so I wanted to preach this morning about this. I don't have to. I want to. I want to preach about the fact that as a believer, I don't have to. But I want to. And the fact that you get saved and God has done this incredible thing, and it's not just amazing, but it produces a type of life. It actually produces something inside of me where I look and act and behave and conduct myself in a certain way, not because I have to but because I want to. Something inside of me is different. And so I, I want us to look at this. It's the first scripture is Mark 12, verse 28. And then I'm going to jump into Romans 12. And remember, for this year, for those of you who weren't here last week, I did like what I called a trailer of Romans. I just gave this little, hopefully, taster that you would see this amazing book of Romans in the Bible and create a desire that you would read it. And so my heart is that as a congregation, over the course of this year, that you would read and understand the book of Romans. Not that you would be, but that you would spend time in it. And every month, not line upon line, not following on from each other, but every month we are going to take some time to preach out of the book of Romans because there is so much in it for us. Okay, so I'm not saying we're doing this line by line system. I'm saying here is a letter, an incredible message that is foundational to us that I'd love us to dig into. Okay, so this is this one. And so we're going to start in Mark 12, verse 28. And it says, As one of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate, he realized that Jesus had answered so well. And so we asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? They're trying to catch Jesus out. They're trying to trick him. So the Pharisees are saying, What is the most, of all of the Ten Commandments, what is the most important? Surely it's like, do not murder. Or do not steal. Or, and how does Jesus answer? The most important commandment is this. 
Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is equally. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. This is not my opinion. This is not my perspective. This is what Jesus, the Son of God, taught to be the most important things you can do with your life. You have no greater purpose. There's nothing more you could do that would be more important than these things. That you would love God with everything that you have and equally you would love those around you as you love yourself. Hey. Maybe that, am I the only one who feels that? It's like, oh my goodness. And so picking up on that thread, Paul writes Romans 12. And so a little bit of a background of the book. Romans 1 to 11 is all about what God has done for you. It is about your vertical relationship with God. If you think of a cross, you can think of your your relationship with Jesus, Jesus has described it as love the Lord your God, this relationship with everything that you have. And then it's like a cross. It's a vertical and a horizontal. And in the same way, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so Romans, if you divide it, the book is written like this. Romans chapter 1 to 11 is all about your vertical relationship with God. That's why it's so important that you spend so much time reading it. Because it talks about the foundation of your faith and the fact that we're saved by what He's done and it's His grace and kindness and for that reason, sin doesn't abound in what is wrong and what is right and how to serve God. And then Romans 12 to 16 is all about this. He says, now that we've spoken about this, it's time to talk about this. Okay, so that's the context for the scripture in Romans 12 verse 1 to 8. Paul writes it like this. He says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, people he considers family, this morning, I, I, want it, I want you to know this. I am appealing to you this morning that you would see God in this thing and that you would live your life according to what you read today. Because it is, if this is true, it's got to look different. I plead with you. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. That's, the, that's where we spent this morning in worship. We were singing and worshiping and thanking God for all he has done for us. Who feels like God has done an amazing thing for them? Like, I, I want to put three hands up. It's a parable Jesus said. I've always watched this. Those who've been forgiven much love much. I feel like I've been, for, I was the worst. I plead with you to give your bodies because of all God has done for you. What did he want? What's Paul saying? Give your bodies. Because I think we try and take the scripture and we, we read it and we don't apply it. I plead with you to give your bodies. Well, surely Paul meant um, according to, you know, the Greek and the translation, and, uh, and we just find every way to excuse that into meaning not too much of my life. Paul was actually meaning this. I plead of you to go to church for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning 
and two hours on a Wednesday night. I plead with you. Okay, fine. And 10 minutes every morning when you remember. But you're not under the law, and so, you know, we'll make it seven and a half, whatever. No, 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 I plead with you to give your bodies because of what is, if Jesus has done something for you, my question is, do you give everything? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with your heart, your mind, your strength, your, with everything inside of you. Paul summarized that by saying your body. Because you can't give just a part of you. You can't have this spiritual side. Oh, God's got all my spiritual attention. But actually, you know, my mind and my actual time and money and energy and things that I do, that's this side of the fence. Paul says, just give everything. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice. Let your body, give it to God and let it be a consistent living and holy sacrifice. Holy meaning it is, a, it is an object for worship only for him. Do you know, I, I, I remember I, I learned this concept and it was so profound for me. What, was your, what were we designed for as people? It's a simple one. Starts at, like, we, we're going to go very high level. What were we designed for? Worship. We were designed to worship. Do you agree? Are we struggling? Do you, we need a deep dive? We were designed for worship. Do you know that you do not not worship? Do you know that? That everything you do all the time is worship. You don't have a decision on that. Worship is what you put your, because you are created as the image of God on the earth to represent him. So everything that God reflects and gives time and energy and affection and that is worship. And so your life, you are worshiping all the time. Do you know where the free will part comes in? You have a choice what you worship. You are designed for worship. You can't help it. There is no non-enemy. There is no neutral. There is no, I'm not worshiping. I'm just kind of doing this thing. No, no, no. You don't get to decide that. You worship. You were designed to worship. It's what you do. It's inside your DNA. You get to have a decision on what you worship. And what you worship is determined by what you give your body to. Your time, your energy, your mental space, your everything. And that's how Paul even says, listen, even when you work, your work can even be worship. That's what he says. How? When you work, do it as if you're working for the Lord. Like when, you're, when, you, when you hate your job and you've got to go in and get through all that admin and you're thinking, I hate this part of my job. Paul says, even in that part of your job that you hate, you have an opportunity to worship him. That means like, oh my goodness, I get, he's my boss right now. Like, I'm doing this because of Jesus. I'm, I'm doing this because I'm worshiping him. You can also not. You can also work in a way that you don't worship him. That's why when I gave the little highlights of a preach that I'm trying to spend a lot of time because I want to preach it right and I want to cover all my bases. I believe 
that sexual immorality is a form of idol worship because you are always worshiping and what you give your body to and what you covenant with is a form of worship. And that thing has been under attack since the beginning and will be until the end. That's why it is the defining, it's why sex sells. Because there is something that wants your body to worship. There is somebody else who wants worship. Okay, with me. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice. Let your life, let your body, let everything you do be a holy sacrifice to the Lord. That the kind that he will find acceptable. It says holy. A set apart style of worship for him. A holy kind of worship. That's the kind that he's looking for. That, holy means separated. You don't share it with anything else. That's the kind of worship he's looking for. So when you're in the car and you think, oh man, I really, I know that I should listen to my, I'm using a random example, I don't think this is the case. I really, under compulsion, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to my Bible this morning because I want to be a good Christian and I want to do the right thing, but I don't really want someone to put that on and my mind is elsewhere. That's, that's split affection. He's not interested. When you come and you worship and you're like, ah, oh, you know, this is, I like this song. I don't like that song. I'm in a mat, I'm in a mat. I'm. The split worship, he, he's not interested. It says that's the kind of worship he doesn't find acceptable. Remember Malachi we read last year. The Malachi, he says to the Israelites, his people, your worship is so split in affection. I wish you would shut the doors of your churches and stop meeting. I wish you would shut the doors. It's repulsive to me. It's second best. That's what he accuses them of. Your worship is second best. You bring lame animals. You don't bring your best. You bring lame stuff. God also doesn't like lame things. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Hey? It's not even me. This is just the Bible. This is, is this not anyone else having a moment here? Like, God wants to change the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. People are like, oh man, I don't know what God's will for my life is. I don't know what he wants for me. I'm, everybody else knows. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm saying, well, this scripture kind of says, if you give him everything in a set-apart manner, in a way that is acceptable for him, you will find the will of God for your life. Which is good. God's will for your life is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority, and now he's going to give a disclaimer, I give you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Don't think you're more spiritual than you are. Don't think you're sitting there this morning like, I'm a 9 out of 10 Christian. I, I had 15 quiet times this week. Have you seen my, my like streak on the Bible app? It's through the roof. I want to share that thing like social it. I don't think you're better than you are. Like, oh man, when I worship, I don't think about anything else. I'm all in. I'm everything. Man, this form of worship that we do for 45 minutes on a Sunday is the smallest part of worship in your life. 
It's the smallest part. If this is difficult, you have much bigger problems. This is the smallest form of worship, song. We worship Him in song. It's like 1% of how you worship God. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. Measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. And this is the crux of where I want to get to this morning. This is why I wanted to just paint a picture of you are worshiping all the time. You are giving yourself to something. It is very practical. How do we worship God then? In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Okay? Easy to understand? So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is to serve others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness, do it gladly. How do you worship God with your life? By doing the things that He's given you that you do well. In this context, serving, loving. If you're an encouraging person, you should be looking for people to encourage. It's the way that God likes it when you worship. If, do you know that? If you are somebody who, who sees prophetically and doesn't prophesy, literally, the Bible says, if you prophesy, prophesy. But if you don't, you're not worshiping Him with that. You're not worshiping with everything. If you're somebody who serves well, but you don't find yourself serving, you're not doing what He's asked you to do. And you know what? As believers, we don't belong to ourselves. We belong to each other. Heavy? Not? Just checking. We're okay. I feel like I lost some friends along the way. I don't have to. I want to. I purposefully put this announcement in the middle of my preach. I'm going to give you a practical example. On a Sunday, we average like 45, 40, 40 to 45 children every single Sunday in this congregation. And um, one of the things in the life of this church that we desperately always need more of is guys to work with children. Children's ministry, people who want to teach on a Sunday, people who will love the kids, people who will serve on kids' ministry. And some of our best kids' workers just left. They went to go serve the Lord for a year, I mean, of their life. What the heck? I don't get it. Where's their priorities? Like, um, really, some of our best teachers are the young guys. You've literally, they come and they faithfully invest and give and put into the kids. And as a congregation, one of the things I needed to say is like, hey, guys, we really need more kids workers. And I was like, no, no, no. The fact that we have to ask is a problem. 
We should be looking for ways to use the gifts that God has given us. There are so many of us here. Surely there are some of you that have been given an ability to connect and build with children. If you have that, a passion for kids, an ability to communicate and build with them, if you want to help disciple them, if you want to preach, because, you know, I get to do it here, they get to do it there. Um, guys, it is a high calling. You should be like, I want to serve on kids' ministry. And even then, it's not even like you have to do it every single day. It's like once every millennia. The point is this. There are so many avenues where we should be giving ourselves where I think we're sitting on our hands. Do you know what is one of the most difficult things? Can, can I shoot straight this morning? Not that I haven't been already. I've come as an external person into Sunningdale, into Josh Jen, into what God's doing. Let me tell you, it's incredible. We've been a part of this congregation now for three years, two years, three years. Two and a half years. And I want to tell you that in the small amount of time of being with, I've seen the gifts and the grace that God has put on people's life. But I can also see the massive holes where we're not giving of ourselves. One of the most difficult things in this context to find is people who want to lead. Nobody wants to lead. Happy to let somebody else lead. Hey, let me, let me give you a scriptural reminder. If God has given you a gift to lead, one of the ways you worship him is by leading. If he's given you a chance to do it, take it seriously. Leadership is the ability to influence people and shepherd and love and help people. If you are given that and you do nothing with it, Take it seriously. At the end of your life, you will be held accountable for everything that he gave us. I find it ironic that we went there in worship because I was like, God, this is a really difficult preach to bring this morning. <laughs> like normally I make people laugh and Normally I get messages like, hey, that was amazing. Thank you so much. Today, not, not so much. I can guarantee you. <laughs> I have a responsibility before the Lord to challenge you. To say, do not sit on what he's given you. My world is rocked this morning when I walked in. Because I'm... Um, in Brad's community, there's this amazing lady. I've been spending time with the refirees when we did the, um, the This Is Church. And there's an incredible lady there who has had an aneurysm. And she's brain dead in the hospital. And they've kind of said to the family, it's, it's up to you to turn the machine off. This, Margie saw her on Friday. And I had a glimpse into that when I started this morning. I was like... That puts so much weight on it. Because you never know. You never know. You never know. I was given that reminder of like, when we were worshiping, we were saying, oh, would we be those who fear God? 
above all other gods, above everything else that wants you to worship it, your job, your career, your plans, your successes, your finances, your family, your capacity, your holidays, your comfort, your convenience, all of those gods are longing to be worshipped. Which do we fear most? That we would be those who fear that God, the living God above all the others that are shouting for our attention and our time and our everything, that he would be the one that gets our worship. This is the way to worship him, changing the way you think, changing the way that we live. Even the other translations talk about even if those who have a gift of hospitality, if you have a home, open your home. If you make people feel welcome in your space, open your space. Bring people in. That's why you got a home. You can worship with your home. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? You know that there's a lot here who can't. <laughs> Everything that is given. How can I use this to worship you, Lord? Any talent. Any ability. How can I use this to worship you? What Sam was saying, those who fear the Lord, those who worship Him, He sees you. He hears you. And do you know what? It's not, it's not tough. It's not, like, it's not like this terrible father figure who's grumpy and grouchy and demands everything from you. Like, we'll be talking about a different story. We're talking about the God who loves you so much that he's the one who makes a way for you to have a relationship with him. That he's the one who, when you can't stop sinning, he gives you a way to be forgiven. Who, when you make a mess of your life and you destroy things around you and you hurt people and you hurt yourself and you damage stuff, he's the one who wants to forgive you and love you and clean it up. That's the one that wants to be worshipped. Not this terribly cruel, you must now worship me. That's why I titled this thing. I don't have to. I want to. I want to worship you. I want to give you all I can. And do you know what? We are humans. We make mistakes often. If you didn't, the law would have been enough. If we could get by by following some rules, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. The law would have been enough. Hey guys, here are the rules. If you can stick to the rules, then you can have eternal relationship with God. Okay, awesome. And then we could all do it. Is that how we roll? How many of us decide, I want to do this, and the next day we mess it up? He said in... Um, one of, the, one of the quotes from earlier, he says, don't, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. Don't let this be the standard that you live your life by. Let the truth of God be the standard that you live your life by. Holy Spirit, would you just come right now? I don't want to um, bang a drum. I want your power. Your power is the one that brings conviction. Your power brings us the ability to change. 
I don't want anyone to do anything because I've said so. I want us to see you. I want to see you. I don't want to worship you because I have to. I want to worship you because I want to. I want to worship you. When you follow your, it's in Galatians 5, we're not going to go there, I'm just going to read it to you. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are so clear. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, anger, ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, parties, and other sins like this. Let me tell you, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces a kind of fruit in our lives. And this fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. That is the life that He wants for you. Sorry. Who wants the first one? Who finds themselves living out the first one more than the second? Most of us. Like it's Sunday, you can't, you can't put your hand up for that. You're the pastor, you can't, you can't say that. Okay, well I can tell you that for me, quarreling, jealousy, anger, ambition, dissension, division. That stuff is happening. Oh, thanks, Clayton. <laughs> That stuff is happening all the time. That's, that's always fighting to be what controls my life. We're called to love Jesus and to worship him and serve him. And we do this by serving each other. I don't know what to do with my life. Love people. I don't know what my calling is. Trial and error. I don't know what that means. Put your hand up. Say, I, I, I don't know what I'm good at yet. Literally. I don't know what I'm good at yet. Okay, well, let's try. Can you do this? I'm willing. Why? I want to serve Jesus. Put me in anywhere. Tag me, coach. I'm in. Pick me. Play me. I'll do anything. That's worship. It's literally worship. And I am going to kick the last holy cow and then we're done. There has become this terminology, this, there is this word that we associate in our walks with God that I struggle to find. Not just the word, but maybe the concept of it. And it's that with Christians, with believers, those of us in this congregation, you and me, most of the time, we know that the Bible says serve, and what is our counter? I'm not so sure about my capacity. I don't know if I've got the capacity for this. And I get that. I say that. I say the same sentence. That concept of reserving some for yourself in case it runs out is just not in the Bible. The concept is 
Serve Him with everything. Live a life of faith. Trust Him. It's hold, we, we hold it back based on, I don't want to burn out. Or I, I promise you, you don't get burnt out serving Jesus. You get burnt out when you're doing your own things. And so if things are burning out, you need to have a conversation with your comm leaders or your leaders and be like, hey, I'm feeling like this. What's going on? What could it be? But I'm telling you, worshiping Jesus does not produce burnout. The Bible never, it, the question is never, Keep what you need to survive and give God the rest. Give him the rest. No, the Bible is give him the best and live off the rest. Give him the best of your time. Give him the best of your energy. Give him the best of what you have and, and, and trust him to look after the rest. Oh, that is so difficult. If you're not mildly offended now, I get it. Like, you are a saint. I'm offended with me. No, this, this sucks. That means, this means I have to do what the Bible says. Love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength. It means I have to serve Him with my whole body. That's what you're telling me. I'm not. This is how we worship the Lord. Marco, come and save the morning. Where are you? Now, I, you know what? I, I really do struggle with this type of preach because, because this is, if, if I'm honest, these are very difficult conversations. If this is not difficult to hear and it's just like, yeah, I don't agree with what you're saying, then I just think you're missing what God is saying this morning because this is what's coming out of the Word of God this morning. He's saying, man, I, I, I've given it all. And I want to worship from you that is holy and set apart and different. And I want you to worship me with everything you've got. And I'm telling you as a church and as a, as a local congregation, if you're a member here, I'm telling you we have so much lack at the moment because it feels like we're not all in on everyone giving everything. There is just, there is... We, we can have 220 adults on a Sunday morning with us. And, and we have eight people willing to lead comm groups. And even then, elders are leading comm groups because nobody else is willing. Because it's exhausting and it's going to cost a lot of time and energy. And then I have to have people in my home and then I have to do this. And I'm, I'm telling you, it does. But it's worship to Him. And we, we're short on kids' ministry workers, and we, we're short on people helping serving, and we, we're short on people willing to go, and we, we're short on... And it's a worship thing. And I don't take it personally. Honestly, if I had it my way, if I got to build a church, and this is my fleshly nature, if I got to build a church, it would have Michael leading worship every single week, wearing a smart outfit, Maybe some flashing lights, more comfortable seats. I would preach the most amazing, informative, and good-feeling preachers you could handle, and we could pack this place. That's not what Jesus is building. He's looking for worshipers in spirit and in truth. And if you leave one or two of us to do it all, who else gets to worship? 
We're all called to worship all the time. Sorry, Tony, I've preached myself into a hole. I don't even know how to recover here. Lord Jesus, we want to bring our hearts before you right now. We just want to respond to you. It starts with just a heart response. It starts by just saying, God, I want to give you everything. I don't know where the beginning of the thread is. I just want to start. I just want to serve you. I just, here I am, pick me. So I wonder maybe before the Lord, maybe, maybe we could stand. If, the, if, you, if that's your response this morning, if you're like, God, I want to respond to you this morning. I want to worship you in every area of my life. And I'm not trying to trick you into response. Please don't. I'm, I'm, I really feel like that there is a power in this thing. There is a power in responding to him because he meets us where we're at. And so if you're, if you're very honest with him this morning of saying, I don't, but I want to. Can you help me? Sam's word that you shared is true. His eyes are looking and his ears are listening for those who want to worship him and serve him and fear him. And he sees their need and he reaches out to them. So Holy Spirit, I want to ask right now, would you come and would you just fill us afresh? I do ask for those who've had burnout I do ask for those who've been burnt by serving. I do ask for those who find it difficult to give of themselves. Help us, God. We, can't, we actually can't do this without you. We don't want to do this without you. But we do want to worship you. We do want to serve you. We do want to give you everything. Come, Holy Spirit. I'm new around here. I've come from Mark Boston, one of the elders in Josh Chain. But I want to encourage you because I'm new. I can sort of see what's going down. He's a real wordsmith. God's given you a real gift in having the word preached like this. You know that you can bear the uncomfortableness of this moment and just say it's going to pass. Is actually anyone going to do this? Is anyone going to take this really seriously? You could even have those thoughts. But actually God does want to break your heart. Actually does. And you could be like, what was shared prophetically. You sort of get it, but you don't get it. And so you harden your heart, but you're not really aware of the hardness of your heart. Because in 20 minutes' time, you're going to be thinking about something else, and you can go home and carry on like normal. It's frightening. Eh? You know, it's possible to leave this word being further away from God than when you came in. Yeah, it's possible. And you think this is just normal. Actually, some of you need to run to the front and wail and say, God, here's my heart. Here am I. You know that if you think that no one's taking this seriously, nor you, and then you're just going to carry on like normal afterwards, you're actually a greater problem for the kingdom. Do you, are you aware? This is big. So I don't, want to, I don't I want to take off condemnation, but man, some of us need a break. You know what, and it doesn't matter if, you've, if you feel like you're not getting this or you're, you're just in survival mode. If you offer yourself, he'll take you. He'll take you. Who's going who's gonna to break the ice for us? Who's going to 
Who's going to go, okay, God, I don't even even know what this means, but man, I'm I'm God. And you're going to push out. I I don't want everyone to come out. It's a very good word that's been preached. Not everyone must come out, but man, many of you just need to say, I need need change. Lord, here's my heart. Here's my heart, God. Lord, would would you make an altar? Would you, Lord, invite us? Lord, would you prepare a place for us to be received by you? Spirit of God, what you're doing, call those people out. Who needs to break their hearts before the Lord? Come, come out and get on your knees if you need to. Some need to be really honest with the Lord. Really honest. Come. Lord, let the sword of the Spirit work here this morning. If you're aware of compromise and just a lethargy and my heart is just not with this and I'm just surviving, be honest with the Lord and say, Lord, this is who you're dealing with. I can't leave you the same. I'm concerned that I'll leave you even further away from you because I'll resist your word. Come out now. Come. Spirit of the Lord, bring your people. It's not happened yet. It's not happened yet. This is real. Come. Break your hearts before the Lord. Offer Him yourself.